welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people. The whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! From Acts chapter 18. From the beginning of the chapter and then the end of the chapter 2, I'll go ahead and read the verses. You have them here on your worship PDF, and we've got a call and response. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And when he went to see them, and because of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And then the end of the chapter. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that in your great love, you anointed Jesus of Nazareth to be the Christ, to be the anointed one, to be the Messiah, come to this earth to live with us, die for us, and rise again. Father, thank you that grace is the song that we hear, grace alone as we come to you, no matter who we are, no matter what we have done. All we need is Jesus. In 2021, all we need is Jesus. Father, wherever we engage our spiritual journey here this morning, we pray that you would be nearer, closer, more personal, more vivid, more powerful to us as we engage this ancient practice of the reading and preaching of your scriptures. Spirit, give us your illumination now, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So as Anna was already talking about as liturgist earlier in the service, this is 2021, and we are in the midst, I think many of us, to do a lot of goal-setting and New Year's-type resolutions. And overall, those things are good. If you're like me, maybe you ate a little too much over the holiday, just to, so we can catch up a little bit. I was in Western PA, so my brother who lives in D.C. and we here in Collingswood did like a hardcore quarantine for two weeks and then stayed in the house in Western PA together with my parents next door. And my dad, who is an octogenarian jogger of 60 years, became over the course of the week that we spent together increasingly alarmed at the amount of food that I was eating. So by the end of my time there, the talking point of the morning was, so what has Jim eaten already today? And is there anything that's going to stop him? By the end of the week, too, 
It felt a little bit like an intervention when in tears almost, not really, my dad said, Jim, promise me that once you get back to Collingswood, you will not be eating like this. But then also my octogenarian dad, child of the depression, can't let any food go to waste. And he happened to come into possession of a free honey-baked ham, which old school recipe he kept making into ham salad and he needed people to eat it. So I had a nice Spanish prisoner sort of holiday where on one hand, Jim, you're eating way too much. But then on the other hand, Jim, you've got to eat more ham salad. Whatever you do, we can't let it go to waste. But I'm here now, and I'm glad to be with you. But as we think about things like New Year's resolutions and goals in the new year, isn't it true that by and large, and it's fine, we should set goals for ourselves, but by and large, they're about ourselves. They're for us. Here's a wrinkle with which I would like to challenge you for this new year for 2021. Ask the question, by way of resolution, what is it that I have to give? What can I do in 2021 by resolution for other people and not just for myself? And in this coming year, would you invest in community? Would you invest in relationships? Think for just a moment. For your own life, probably there have been some really formative relationships, really healthy relationships that you've been engaged in over the years where you are a much better person as a result of these relationships and people that poured into you. Maybe it was something way in the past, a relationship, maybe in the present, maybe a little bit of both. Maybe that relationship was structured and formal. Maybe that relationship or those relationships were informal and organic. Maybe they related to vocation, maybe personal, maybe overlap. But we need relationships like that in our lives, don't we? And think for another moment, too. Isn't it also probably the case that in those formative relationships, the person with whom you were relationally engaged was different from you, at least in a few cases, maybe in more than just a few. Maybe that person was older than you were. Maybe that person was from a different background or a different ethnicity or a different worldview, one way or another, a different age and stage. And that was part of what made the relationship run and work well, because it was a relationship against type for you you got to see more, and you learned more because of those differences in the context of a close relationship. Back in September, in a sermon, I asked the question, as it relates to community in the church, what makes church community unique? Here in 2020, 2021, there's community all over the place. You don't have to be a part of a church to find community. What makes it unique here? Why church? And one of the reasons for me is that in church, we receive a seedbed, rich soil, where we can have relationships like these. Relationships with people that are not exactly the same as us, that are not of our tribe, but we get so much out of those relationships. And so again, in 2021, what do you have to give? And with whom? Will you make for this coming year a relational resolution. And so two parts for the rest of the sermon here. We're going to talk about two examples, then we're going to get back to that resolution. So a couple different examples here, and you might be wondering, what sermon series are we doing new this year? 
we're not doing one. I mean, we are doing a sermon series, but it's not a new sermon series. It's an old sermon series. had a lot of fun in the book of Ruth in the month of December for Advent, but we are getting back for about another month to finishing up a sermon series that coincides with our ministry emphasis for the year about community, tying our sermons to a book called Better Together by Rusty George, Discovering the Power of Community. And so for this morning, we are in chapter 10 that says families are better together. And this is what that title for that chapter means. We need more than just our nuclear family. We need more than just mom and dad, brothers and sisters. We need more than just our nuclear family. Now, don't get me wrong. Here at Liberty Collingswood, we love families, and we do a ton to invest in families, Liberty Kids, Liberty Youth, one-off things like the Worship at Home seminar. I was really proud of the folks that worked on our Advent devotional for this year. That's for kids. That's for families. Super important. And yet, we need more than just those nuclear family members, don't we? Another thought experiment. Subtract all of the people that you have had good relationships with over the years that have had positive, healthy impacts on your lives. Get rid of all of them and imagine yourself with none of those relationships but only with the relationships of your nuclear family. For some of us, we might say, well, it would be somewhat different, not hugely. For others of us, we would say, I'm freaking out right now. I need relationships outside of our family. We need both. And that's why I love the book of Acts, because it demonstrates to us, it illustrates to us in pictorial form, how the relationships in the early church progressed and shows the potential that the church of Jesus Christ has for rich relationships with people that may be a little bit different or maybe a lot different from who we are. And so Book of Acts in the New Testament, after the four Gospels and narrative accounts of the life of Jesus of Nazareth, the Book of Acts is a history of the spread of the Gospel, the spread of the good news of Jesus, from person to person and from town to town. There's a lot of preaching in the book of Acts, but then also this is a relational map as well. And at least for me, as I think about the New Testament and specifically the book of Acts, I wish there was more. I wish there was more. Not necessarily the case with the four Gospels. They give four different perspectives on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that feels complete. I feel like I'm good. And then we have a ton on the other end of New Testament letters. But I would have loved to have learned more names and more stories about these very first followers of Jesus, including, as we go to Acts chapter 18 that I read just a moment ago, to people named Paul, who is here on his second missionary journey, and a husband and wife, Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla is the wife, Aquila is the husband, and we meet them at the beginning of the chapter. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth in Greece. You can Google and look up later, what type of columns are Corinth famous for? You can get back to me on that one. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And whether it's the book of Acts or New Testament letters that talk about Priscilla and Aquila, this is a power couple in the early church. They were incredibly important. And for our purposes here this morning, we notice that Paul on one hand and Priscilla and Aquila on the other, they're probably pretty culturally near to one another. 
They are all Greco-Roman ethnic Jews in different parts of the Greco-Roman Empire, and they even share a vocation. They even share a trade in verse 3. And because he was one of the same trade, he stayed with them, Priscilla and Aquila, and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. But then we jump further down later in the book of Acts, and we find a different person named Apollos, who may be less culturally near to Priscilla and Aquila. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. So this is not a Greco-Roman Jewish person, but Alexandria is in Egypt. So Apollos is a North African. There's one ethnic Jewish layer here, but then another ethnic overlay, very different North Africa from the rest of the Greco-Roman Empire. And there weren't many in the ancient Near East rival cultural centers to ancient Rome, but Alexandria was one of them. Alexandria was Philadelphia to Rome's New York, but don't worry, Rome still has the New York Jets, so we are okay with only being Alexandria or Philadelphia. But they were different from one another by virtue of being from different places, and probably Apollos was a good bit younger, too, than Priscilla and Aquila. So this is a relationship against type, different from one another. And Apollos has a lot of gifts. In verse 25, we read, He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. Now, in the book of Acts, we, we find a couple different references to people only knowing the baptism of John, namely John the Baptist. There's not enough data points really to know exactly what was going on with that, except to say that he was deficient in what he understood about Jesus in one way or another, but enter Aquila and Priscilla. And here's our first example of a fruitful relationship in the church against type. He began to speak boldly, verse 26, in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I wish I had a little bit more details, but this is what we have. Priscilla and Aquila saying, hey, wait a second, Apollos. You are this gifted evangelist witness to the good news of Jesus, only recently crucified and resurrected, but there's more for you to learn. Let's be in relationship together and grow together, which happens, and Apollos is all the more fruitful. Verse 27, and when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, just like us, grace alone. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So let's strategize. Here on the first Sunday of 2021, second Sunday after Christmas, are there any Apollos's, are there any Apolloi in your life? Somebody that you could connect with to pour into, maybe a relationship against type a little bit, maybe you cross a barrier of some kind, maybe it's somebody already at church, if you're part of Liberty Collingswood, maybe it's somebody in your town, but there have got to be people like that in your life that could benefit from what you have to pour into them. And let me say this too, don't wait. So many of us long for and are lonely for deeper relationships thinking, why doesn't somebody ask me to coffee? Why doesn't somebody reach out to me? And I feel your pain. And we're in the same boat a lot of the time in terms of loneliness and wishing that we had more relational connection. But you, we are specifically the people that can and should reach out to others 
perhaps following the example of Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila, but even more than that, following the example of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, and rose again, he tore down the dividing wall of hostility between us and God. The Bible says we used to be enemies of God and our sin, but because of what Jesus has done, all that come to him in faith, God the Father sees us not in our own mess and our own sin, but he sees the perfection of Jesus Christ come upon us. That's why we need him. But then the forgiveness that Jesus gives us on the cross spins forward horizontally to relationships, including ones against type. A passage that I bet will be in a good amount here in the early stages of 2021 comes to us from the Apostle Paul, the same one that we have here in the book of Acts, from Ephesians chapter 2. The letter to the church at Ephesus, chapter 2, Paul writes this. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles were in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Talking to non-Israelites. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both, Jews and Gentiles, one, and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, and so making peace. Jesus is our chief and primary example as Jesus didn't let the sin of other people keep him from investing in them, saying, I'll take some relational hits so that we can be in relationship together, we are called to do the same thing. So let's make a relational resolution for this year. And realistically, if we say, I'm going to form a hundred new, healthy, deep relationships in this coming year, we're going to set ourselves up for failure. It's like losing 50 pounds the first week of January in the gym. Probably is not going to happen. But what are some baby steps that we can take in that direction as you seek and strategize to make some, maybe just one person even, relational resolutions? And would they be relationships against type? Maybe somebody of, that's outside of your tribe, maybe a different ethnicity, a different political point of view, different socioeconomically. Maybe it's a different age and stage. Maybe if you're an older person thinking about who is younger around me that I can connect with more, or if you're a younger person thinking about somebody older, or if you're a parent thinking about other parents that are not in the age and stages you are with age of kids, or maybe if you're not a parent or have never been a parent, forming a relationship with a parent or vice versa, or if you're married with a single person or a single person with somebody that's married, whatever it is, what steps? And this is where we cry out to God for help. And maybe you're not even sure where you are with Jesus. Thank you again for tuning in. Maybe you recognize in the abstract, I need to be better relation relationally with other people, but it's just hard for me. God, if you're there, would you remind me of the grace of Jesus for me and how Jesus invested in me so that I can truly invest in other people more? And so let's go ahead and do it. Three suggestions. As we think about making some relational resolutions, be generous, add some chairs to your table, and make a budget. Be generous, add some chairs to your table, and make a relational budget for mission. 
let's be more generous. If you're a follower of Jesus, we can ask the question this way. What do you struggle to give up? What do you struggle to give up? Maybe it's money, maybe it's time, maybe it's presence. There are ways in which you can and should be more generous with other people, and maybe one of the reasons that you don't feel a deep connection to others is that you're not generous with them. And we can be selectively generous. Maybe I'm generous with my money, but not with my time. Maybe vice versa, as we play a shell game to try to protect as much as we can for just ourselves or just our family. How can we open up? And by being generous to other people, that puts us in relationship with them and softens us towards them. I remember years ago, I was at a fund fundraising banquet for Urban Promise, the ministry organization in Camden, and Bruce Main, the director of Urban Promise, got out his cell phone. He said, this cell phone, for many of us in our room right now, is rich with capital and contacts. He said, for many of us in this room, if we, for example, wanted to find a new job, or hire somebody else for our team, or start a new initiative, or get a side hustle going, or get another business off the ground, or if we're in financial trouble and we just need a bailout from somebody, our cell phone has tons of people where we can reach out and say, I need a hand, can you help? Bruce Main went on to say, for many people at Urban Promise, the cell phone just doesn't have those types of connections. He went on to say this, would the people in this room, would we, be just as generous with our phones as we are with our wallets. Bruce Main said that he had come in contact with people over the years. They might just give some money to different things, and giving money is good. Eric said earlier, we need to keep raising money for the church at Mamaloli. Please do that. But we're actually a lot stingier with our phones, and we think, you know, if I put myself out for somebody else, that's my reputation on the line. I can't do that. So we're self-protecting, self-protecting, self-protecting. Instead, be generous as God is generous to you. And add more chairs to the table. Pandemic will end. I'm not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet, but it seems like at some point in 2021, things are going to gradually reopen again. And now is the time to start thinking, to start connecting, to start dreaming about whom you can invite to your dinner table or lunch table or brunch table or coffee shop or happy hour, whatever it is so that you can connect with people again. We will reopen, and don't waste that reopening. Start to pray. Start to strategize now, and make a budget for it. You know, when you're struggling financially and even beyond that, it's always good to have a budget. And when you actually have a ledger where you say, okay, this is how much money we have this month. These are the things that we need. These are the things that we want. This is how it's going to fit together. When you make a budget, you realize that you can't have everything. You can't buy this and that a lot of the time, but if you want that, you need to hold off on buying this. When we make a budget relationally for mission, maybe it's somebody in the church, maybe it's somebody outside of the church, understand, recognize your excuses that very often, let's face it, are lame, that get in the way of actually making those sorts of connections. Be clear-eyed in your own mind about what you will not be able to do so that you can give more to other people. And this is where we will wrap up. Just think. 
if not for Paul connecting with Priscilla and Aquila, if not for Priscilla and Aquila connecting with Apollos, would we even be here? Would we even be here? And that's an impossible question to answer. Who knows how God's providence would have fallen out in different ways if the gospel had gone in a different direction. But the answer still, I think, includes maybe not. But let's be thankful for these relationships of investment that occurred, and even more so, if Jesus had not relationally invested in us, would we even be here? We shudder to think where we might be. But instead, because Jesus is crucified and resurrected, where and in and with whom might you invest as you make a relational resolution? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.